All right. Hello. Hello. We're good. You're you're preparing all your paper notes. <laughs> no, it sounded very official. <laughs> uh, no, I just flipped to an empty page, so I'm not okay. distracted by the other page. To watch morning show watching. Uh. <laughs> you know, I've I heard that people on the no no I'm not gonna spoil it. No, <laughs> good start. Good start. Uh. Um, no, I was just moving away from my database notes, um, so that I'm not distracting. Thinking oh, distracted, fun. thinking about databases. Um, so I think I've been complaining in this show about, or I think all of us were a bit annoyed about that Memoji, the Memoji keyboard. <laughs> drag everyone into this with okay. you? Yeah, we were all really devastated for mostly, mostly this. Zach. My point is that, um, Kai and I have been talking about the fact that there are still Memoji keyboards next to the, um, next to the emoji keyboard on iOS. And it was frustrating because we don't use Memojis and now you can turn it off in settings. So with look iOS at that. 13.3. With iOS 13.3. And why wouldn't you update to 13.3? If you're already on 13.2, you may as well update to 13.3. Yeah. Or if you're coming from 13.1. Yeah. I don't know if this makes it into the recording, uh, but there's fireworks outside. I hope it's fireworks. <laughs> or an explosion of the chemical manufacturing uh, facility we have outside of our <laughs> don't tell them. condo building. Yeah. Yeah. Not right. Cool. Yeah. cool. All right. Uh, we also have other follow-up that's actually slightly more interesting. I wouldn't Sorry, say this is follow-up. I feel like this is more of a reoccurring segment, so that's why I put it in the topics. All right. We also have another topic that is uh, follow-up, and that is that we shipped our macOS app. We, we, we promised oh, it like two weeks maybe ago. Maybe we should say that Zach isn't here today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so Zach is on a holiday, holiday, holiday adventure. Sounds more exciting. Okay. I would say holiday adventure. Um, so he can join us today, but we thought we we still want to bring you a show. Um, so this is this is what you get. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we miss him. But we hope he's having fun. Um, I think in Australia you're swimming. All right, in moving pool. on. <laughs> Jesus, Marlon, what, what are you doing? What a monologue about Zach's disappearance it makes it sound almost like he killed a man. <laughs> All right. Can we talk about our follow-up thing? Yeah. Uh, that we shipped our macOS app. Yeah, let's do it. That we promised about two weeks ago, but finally got there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't remember when. I think last week, last recording, we were talking about that we still had some changes we had to make because SwiftUI wasn't playing nicely with us. Mm-hmm. So we had to move over to using AppKit for certain parts of the app. Alerts. Alerts. Um one of the alerts, to be more precise. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did that. So I think we actually ended up shipping the... The day of the, the Yeah, we shipped the really. app. The day, we already submitted on the like the day after we recorded, but then it came out the day the episode was released. Mm. Um, so that's exciting. So we shipped, kind of. Yeah. Not, not where we want to be, but well, we sh- like the first, the first step. I yeah. mean, we, this was what we planned all along. We want to ship this as a first step, but mm-hmm. now we're actually going to... As we said earlier, now we're going to go ahead and make our own um, backend for this um, and our own system so that we can allow for more um, more people to, to, to use the app without having um, without actually having to have a Soho account. Mm. So that's exciting. So it's a lot of backend work and a lot of database work. And uh, a lot of vapor fun. A lot of vapor fun. I like it, actually. I am surprised how easy it was to get started. 
right? Yeah,、mm. it's actually quite nice. And Vapor has surprisingly much documentation. Maybe that's just because、uh, that's I've been because... writing SwiftUI for so long now. But it's、yeah. also because you've not、uh, had much of a deep dive yet into certain parts of、that's、the、true. feature set. Yeah. Well, well, we're we're probably getting to the point of yeah, your disgruntlement in 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 a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I would say, considering that SwiftUI had so little documentation, that was not very support. It was it wasn't very mature on Mac.、Um, but I think we went we we got through that quite well.、Mm. Um, and I'm not disgruntled with that yet. So I don't think I will be disgruntled with Vapor. No, no. <laughs> I mean, overall, I, I as we talked about last time, I I really like. Working with Vapor, but the documentation is definitely not as、um, complete as one would want in certain places. But it's it's fine. I, I still think it's it's a good choice, and it w- will be a fun、uh, holidays、uh, project to to get that up and running. Yeah, I agree. Hmm, I'm enjoying it. Anyway, shipped kind of. Moving on. <laughs> cool.、Um, speaking of service side, Swift.、Um, We got to know earlier this week just some initial details that IBM is not going to continue supporting Kitura anymore,、mm-hmm. which has been another alternative to、uh, Vapor for SwiftUI on the server. SwiftUI on yeah,、uh, sorry for Swift on the server. Yeah, it's a server-side f- Swift web framework. Yeah, yeah.、Mm. Do you do you know why they decided to discontinue it? Have they said much about it?、Uh, there was some kind of announcement, yeah. I don't know. I didn't know I would have to retell the news here. <laughs> no, I wasn't sure if you were interested in talking about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's in general. I think the the blog post they they released, like IBM. I think IBM had a、uh, update on the workgroup Swift server side workgroup、uh, forum for Swift,、um, saying that. IBM reevaluated their priorities for 2020, and、uh, Swift is not one of them. I think that's、uh, to simplify. That's kind of what what they said.、Um, But it doesn't mean that Kitura is going away necessarily. I mean, Kitura is open source, right? So Kitura、yeah. doesn't need to go away. But it means that IBM is no longer the、uh, no longer having paid employees working on Kitura. Okay. Or on server side Swift stuff in general, full time, which they did have before. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's definitely、uh, kind of unfortunate to have major contributors to server side Swift、uh, and people who clearly seem passionate. I mean, we've、uh, seen, especially Chris Bailey. I've seen a lot talk a lot about server side Swift, giving、yeah. talks, being involved in community events, and those kind of things. Yeah, and I mean that is that is. Probably he's going away. I think he's now in the Note team or or something like that. Sorry, the the what team? Note,、oh. like the JavaScript. Yeah, yeah.、Mm. For the notes. No. Um. So that's unfortunate, but I realistically, I think we're in in a good state still with Vapor. So, so do you still feel comfortable that Vapor is gonna continue and not be really impacted by this? Yeah, I mean, in general, those. Projects did help each other, but I always、mm. felt like Vapor was more aligned with what I like to do. IBM's、okay. had a very IBM approach. Like there were a lot of kind of they had, for example, the most complete、uh, JWT implementation on、mm-hmm. for Swift on the server, kind of what you would expect. Like、yeah. Vapor's did kind of work <laughs> for what most people would do,、mm-hmm. but IBM's actually followed the sp- 
spec okay for for as i said yeah, it's the most yeah. complete implementation yeah, of the spec yeah. would you would you have a project where you're using both uh, vapor and katura i i did use yeah for for the okay. bean bean there server i definitely used some of the ibm uh projects okay. because they okay. they do interact quite all right with each other um, so I did, uh, funny enough, use the, uh, I think, the JWT implementation okay. <laughs> uh, from IBM. What a random example yeah, you gave me. I know. <laughs> yeah, okay. But overall, I mean, there are, I mean, Apple is still behind Swift on the server. I think it is a really fun framework to work in. And uh, I mean, Vapor is just about to release. They, they, I mean, probably not super coincidentally, released a blog post about what's coming up in Vapor 4. Hmm. Uh, and did they also say an uh, estimated release date for Vapor 4 now? Mm, they're Vapor usually, thing? like the Vapor team isn't super excited about giving release dates. because I mean, no one in software happen. is excited to give release yeah. dates. Yeah, so it's right? the official release date is when it's done. Um, <laughs> okay. But based on previous... and. They said that themselves in the blog post. Based on previous experiences uh, from when uh, Vapor goes into a beta until release, if if we if they follow the same pattern this time around with similar timeframes, it's probably coming out around February next year. Okay. As a as a like one or Vapor four release. Okay. And before that, we will probably have some release candidates. And realistically. Um, if if you know you won't ship something before June, July, August, or something like that, I, I'd feel fairly confident to to start with uh, uh, Vapor Four. Jesus, with Vapor oh, so, Four. So if you are a person today. who wants to start using Vapor, you think Vapor Four is fine already? Depends on when yeah. you want to ship, right? If you're yeah. saying I want to ship this project in February, I would probably still write in Vapor Three okay. and just take the hit on converting it to Vapor Four in like in march april whenever um if you know you won't ship before I, i'd be always a bit more uh pessimistic when it comes to release dates mm -hmm. so if if they're kind of aiming or expecting february let's at least it's your march april so if you if you're shipping in may june july mm. in that time frame might as well start vapor 4 the so how probability stable? of them not being ready by that point is, is very fairly low how final do the betas tend to be though because this would be you would use beta a, a beta version of vapor 4 yeah. right so yeah. how much tend to change between different beta versions uh i mean i would say the api is probably fairly stable at this point so there won't be a lot of code breaking changes there okay. there are probably still fixes but the biggest problem is um for adoption that the documentation is kind yeah. of... I mean, it makes sense, right? Mm. You write your documentation kind of in the when, end. When it's done, yeah. When, when your API is no longer changing yeah. because you don't want to rewrite documentation yeah. every day when you're making... What? Everyone loves writing documentation. <laughs> <laughs> Rewriting documentation sounds like my favorite task. <laughs> um, Can I be hired just for that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so they, uh, they, they're they still, like, that's kind of the focus at the moment, right? To fix whatever bugs might uh, pop up and okay. uh, write documentation. So it's fairly, I, I would say it's, it seems fairly all right to start yeah. writing yeah. today, but you will have less documentation available to support your, your development efforts. And that might mm. be your cup of tea or it might not be. Yeah, that said, we decided to go with Vapor 3 for our project just because we think we will be shipping 
In February? Yeah, but we're also <laughs> exceptionally optimistic. Y- yeah, so is Vapor, though. <laughs> so. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't think they're that optimistic. Okay. I think they're relatively realistic based on previous timelines. Okay. I don't think it's un- unlikely that they will ship it in February. Yeah. It's just, I don't want to... I'd rather not run into... I also have a lot of experience with Vapor 3, and I yeah, know yeah. I know for a fact most of the APIs we will need to get this product shipped in yeah, Vapor 3. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to run into those kind of issues um, in Vapor 4, in Vapor 4 yeah. that are either not documented or things that we don't really get to or certain bugs that prevent us from shipping. Yeah, yeah. And I also think... Um, I feel like it's been... It's, it seems like Vapor 4 seemed to be helping you as a developer a lot so you don't have to do some boilerplate stuff that you have to do in mm-hmm. Vapor 3. But... I found it interesting to have done that boilerplate thing just because <laughs> I f- I mean I'm not using this as an excuse for like sure. why I use it. I just think so if anyone wants to hire a, uh, a documentation rewriter <laughs> or a boilerplate uh, developer developer uh, Malin seems to be your person. Yeah. No, but I do think that I still learn something. I I learn a bit more about the underlying logic from using Vapor 3. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Vapor 4 is definitely a it it feels like iterating on on the things that were kind of awkward in vapor vapor yeah, f- yeah it seems like it. three yeah that's what we're doing that was again very quick update <laughs> totally didn't uh, get derailed there at all no i was genuinely curious to hear what you felt about server side swift mm. Mm. um cool so, do you also want to talk i thought we could potentially talk about <laughs> what is it why are you speaking like a robot that can't <laughs> I, I, deal with sentence structure? I was stalling a little bit uh, while trying to collect I my didn't thoughts. No? <laughs> no. Did, did I hide it all right? It was really smooth, yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, I thought now, I mean, it's kind of end of the year, so uh, we wanted to do some kind of end of the year type of topic, but I thought kind of the hardware of the year and app of the year and those kind of things really we can also do hardware and apps of the decade. We plan on doing this, but we want to do it when Zach is here. Yeah, so that, that's probably actually coming in an episode early next year. Yeah. Which, which realistically is also the right way to do it, because yeah, then because we can actually talk about a full year. Yeah, you know, things tend to be released on December 31st, yeah. so it would be unfair if we exclude those products from our uh, consideration. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I, I, I think this is the, the only right way of doing app I agree. or item item of the year kind of list mm-hmm. is early January. Yeah. Anyway, so, but we should at least then talk a little bit about things that happened during the year. And I thought it's actually kind of nice time now to reevaluate the state of Apple's platforms towards the end of the year, because, I mean, we saw all the new things being announced at DubDub mid-year. It was so exciting. It was really exciting. Yeah, it was was a good year. There were just so many things being announced. And then I think people were a bit like, ooh, how are they going to manage to do all this at once? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then we saw the aftermath. And yeah. now I feel like things are stabilizing. So yeah, that's a that's a good thing to talk about. I think I think there have been some ups and downs. But overall, I think we're in a pretty okay state. Yeah, I mean, there's still things that are kind of interesting. I mean, we're already at... Um, iOS 13.3 with 13.3.1 beta being out. So there's, we're definitely getting a lot of numbers at the moment, 
which uh, and as we we showed like a few minutes ago, we're really capable of uh, remembering exact numbering schemes right now. <laughs> this will be fun. <laughs> um, but overall, I thought like we we can maybe start with like what was your favorite um, feature in iOS 13? Did you have oh. something that now after using it for, I mean, at least three months, but having oh, kind of uh, yeah. I didn't know we had to. Uh, now this is basically favorite of something. Uh, I, now I I didn't compile a list or anything for this. All right. <sighs> I need to I need to think a bit. Okay. Could have prepared me for this. You're welcome. Um, I think I I kind of have two. Okay. Um, maybe three. Are we specifically talking about iOS 13 now? <laughs> yeah, that would Sorry, be. anything 13. We're not talking about Mac. No, no. Okay. Let's start with iOS and then do Mac after that okay so for me um i, I kind of have three one was a sleeper and two kind of what i expected so photos app on ios 13 oh yeah got a significant Did you use that a lot y yeah yeah more than i thought and it's just a lot more f i often use the photos app not as a beautiful album of compiled pictures but as a memory assistance so whenever i mean That's probably what everyone at the, photo, <laughs> at the photo teams wants to hear. I take pictures of things a lot of times just to remember that those things happened. And um, so it's it's I often just go through my timelines to find something, a specific event. And I feel like all the, all the new photo interfaces really lend themselves a lot better for that. To, yeah, to being I, I noticed that <laughs> the other day you were asking if it was snow this time of year, mm -hmm. last year. And then you went to photos to find out if it was snowy this this time. Mm -hmm. uh, do you feel like this photo feature helped you with that? Yeah, it's just the grouping is a lot nicer now. Because yeah. if I look for something in, in December, you you now have the kind of slide on the bottom, right? Where you can switch between years, months, days, all photos. Like, it's it's a lot easier to jump to a specific grouping that you would want to. Okay. And all photos, you have this nice kind of smooth zoom in, zoom out with an indication of where you are within the year. So I just find it a lot easier now to to jump to specific times uh, of the year. And then the automatic grouping that they're doing um, in the for you list and those kind of things, it's just um, because my album is so full of just random things that happen rather than beautiful photography. I mean, I have both, of course. Um, <laughs> it, it actually does surface the things that are more on the side of nice pictures of things rather than showing random receipts or random like s street signs of something that I thought was interesting. So that's, that's kind of cool. So I, I really like the, the new Photos app. Then the second one, unfortunately, it's not in Vancouver yet, but the look around in Map. Yeah, yeah, I was, look, I was thinking about that too. Um, but that's not available. Where is it at the moment? Is it just major US cities? or yes so not even like not even all states uh no no okay. no no okay. it is i think it's only in the us i think it's somewhere in like uh it's definitely the bay area i think mm -hmm. it's somewhere maybe las vegas so, so okay random places yeah yeah no i have some i know we have some friends who've been going down and they have said that it was pretty good in that area but i mean it i mean sense, you, you right? can try it from here right you don't have to be there to to look around <laughs> i know i know but it's a bit more useful i think if you're like looking for a specific mm -hmm. shop i feel like it's it sort of brings you this 
AR experience without really being near, yeah, but AR. also it's it's kind of cool because Apple does it appears to be three D photography of everything. So when you're yeah. zooming in between different like places that you look around from, it's it's a lot smoother. You kind of get this uh, a lot more natural feeling look of the cityscape when you're like uh, moving your finger around to, because you do have what appears to be a 3d image so like objects move rather than being on a plane they actually move like if you would look around in a 3d image yeah so it's just a, like it, it feels like a really good step up from from what uh, google did in street view i mean of course still very far behind but it's a lot easier to look at specific details that way and to to kind of get a better feeling of of a street or place as yeah, you're yeah. zooming around. So I think that's really cool. I'm super excited for that to come to Vancouver. Uh, and then the sleeper one that I thought I would never use is dark mode. See, uh, you, I feel like you're picking everything I was going to pick. You are welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I, I have a twist to that one. Okay. Um, because I, I, I just set it to automatically switch. Man, that was my twist. <laughs> <laughs> um, because that's... that. I mean, now... I I always thought it's kind of silly that people want everything dark, but it is. Turns out, I know. very comfortable at know. night to not have your phone yeah. uh, playing with a with the power of eleven suns into your face if you just like I don't know opening a Twitter client at night. Hmm. So this is uh, I I I kind of dismissed it, but I do really really like that feature, and I'm now annoyed at the few apps who've still not implemented uh, dark mode support in in iOS 13. Yeah, yeah, in their apps. So yeah, those. I mean, there there are a few other small things as well, notable mentions. I'm surprised how few people or how few apps uh, you sign in with Apple. Um, I yeah, guess. I was gonna ask that too. Have you seen many that have you honestly? Have you seen any with sign in with Apple? I've seen one. I I don't even remember who. So I can't even shout out who's using that. There will be a Bean There update uh, very soon <laughs> um, that supports that. Um, so that that's one. Mm. Um, <laughs> But there were a few other small ones that I've noticed uh, supporting signing with Apple. Yeah. But I mean, we're probably seeing a lot more when, because Apple um, pushed the date by which developers yeah, have to support signing with Apple. They pushed it to April. Yeah, sometime early, early mid next year. I don't. Yeah, don't pretty sure it was April. Date. Don't know if they have a specific date. There is, there is some date. I think by that point, I mean, I assume we'll see a lot more of that. So that will be. I honestly feel like they're going to have to push it again. Considering how little you've seen it as an uptake now, I think there's so many legacy apps that just don't do it at the moment. Yeah, but that's the idea. That's the idea of a deadline to say, look, random legacy app, you have to do this now or you will no longer be allowed to submit updates. I don't think they will kick apps out, right? No, that's true. If they just don't allow updates, it's okay. It's not damaging the users. So if those big companies want to ship their uh, minor bug fixes and improvements, (laughs) they got to add a sign with Apple support. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, I mean, there, there's just a lot of nice things all around. Like notes is, is nicer now. Reminders is a lot more useful. But I'm not. I moved away from reminders. Yeah, like I'm actually disappointed in myself. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm just a person generally, or in, in general, I have a specific thing related to reminders. But we can. I have a whole laundry list of other things if you want to go through that. Um, <laughs> in general, I am very much into tracking my tasks and like task tracking in general, to-do lists, apps, and stuff like that. But I think I might just never really gave this a chance because I moved away. 
like I, I didn't I didn't use reminders as it is at, as as it used to be. So I moved away to other alternative apps, and mm-hmm. now I just haven't given it a chance. But I feel like I should. I mean, if you're happy with what you have, I mean, I think yeah, but one maybe of the I best will be happier. Yeah, but one, yeah, sure. But mm. in general, a good productivity <laughs> tip is rather than trying to find twelve billion different productivity yeah. apps, if you feel like something is not getting in your way, maybe it's just the right thing for you right now. Yeah, maybe. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of good strategy if you start to see problems with what you have to then look for improvements. I mean, doesn't yeah. mean things can be better, but. I mean, you're probably using Things for a lot of things, right? Yes. Yeah, and I mean, Things is a perfect app for that. And other like things that are like quick reminders that I need, like I need to remind, remember, like not not like a to do list item, more like a reminder. I would use an alternative uh, calendar app that would like also create reminders. So mm. I would use something that integrates with reminder, but not necessarily the reminder app itself. Mm. Yeah, or, or I mean, you definitely use it for uh, Siri reminders, right? So whenever you say, yeah. remind me in whatever, it uses the reminders app, just that you never actually see the UI for it. Yeah, I don't use Siri reminders. Oh, me. really? No, no. I feel like it never really gets what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so right. I guess that's that's the reason. No, I use that all the time. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, usually it doesn't understand what I'm saying. And then by the time it yeah, reminds it me, I will make forget. It more useful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will know I should do something. But <laughs> you're like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, maybe I should try to actually just go back to the app a bit more. I mean, try it out. You don't have yeah, to. Yeah, I just want to give it a shot. Move your entire life over, but it's, no. it's, it's, it's a good. It's a good new addition to R13. Did yeah. I mi- miss anything then? If 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 I cover um, both of your things already? Yeah, dark mode with night. Oh, there was one thing, which is probably like a sleeper feature, if that's the word we like to use. Okay. Um, people's pictures in iMessage is something I actually really enjoy. Oh yeah, good. Point. I didn't think this was something that I felt like I needed him. Like I didn't think it would be a significant improvement, but. It's quite nice to see, like, oh, look at this person. There's a picture there. It's it's just nice. And I feel like more and more people start to pop up and have, like, their picture on there. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, it was a bit... It was pretty few, especially, like, during the beta pe- during the beta season. It was not many people at all there. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting to actually see people more and more people adopting that. And I like it. Mm. Yeah, that's, it, just, that's... it feels more... I don't know, less sterile, I think. It just makes uh, my f- uh, my message conversation a bit mm. nicer. Yeah. Mm. Anything? So I guess that was one thing. One thing I thought, I felt quite excited about when they announced it, but I haven't used that much, is photo and video editing. Yeah. I felt like this was pretty cool. It felt like they're, especially that you had like, li- uh, that you had actual video editing. I thought that seemed pretty cool that you could put things like filters on and change things directly on videos. Mm-hmm. But I, did, I don't use it that much, unfortunately. I mean, in general, I feel like we're more in a mode. There's either you, you take a f- video or, or a picture of something that you're like, mm, turned out pretty well and you move on, mm-hmm. or it's something you really want to like, get as much out of as you can and then you're using yeah. some kind of mac image editing or video editing like, yeah yeah maybe yeah. for me there's not a lot between like just snapping it and keeping it as it is and then to me the next step is like final cut pro <laughs> i don't really yeah. have something between because i'm not like uploading videos to yeah like semi-edited videos to instagram or yeah something. i think if i would use an app like instagram more i would probably use this a lot more but i just it doesn't come that natural to me to use instagram in the mm. first place yep 
Yeah. And otherwise, uh, I mean, a lot of the issues we've had with RS13 in early days, they seem to have been fixed by now. I still have some weird background issues every now and then where apps are being killed way earlier than before. Not sure what's going on there or... Oh, you still have that? Yeah. Or apps sometimes not getting... Uh, it seems like something happening with uh, content available uh, push notifications where updates are not actually happening in the app. I don't know what's going oh, on. Oh yeah, exactly. like background updates. Yeah, something, yep. something yep. just yep. something in the background still being kind of weird. And I don't know. It. I didn't think it would take me that long, but text editing with iOS 13 yeah. is still confusing to me. Which part? Like moving the cursor around, not having to look yeah, like the magnifying yeah. thing anymore. Yeah, I still now and then just tap my phone really long for a long press. But it's not it. even just that, right? It's also how do you like jumped? I don't know. You're like setting the cursor, yeah, changing the position of the cursor, even what with tapping within the text area. I don't know. It just doesn't. You, there is nothing for that, is there? Yeah, you can tap places but i i still don't really understand how it works or selecting text you know how they yeah. show it on stage hey you just swipe over the word you want to select and it selects it magically yeah it doesn't work for me i don't know i don't know what i'm doing wrong there but text selection still maybe i, yeah. I have to just tr spend more time figuring out how it actually works but it definitely didn't come natural to me hmm. so far hmm hmm I mean, I think that you were actually one of the few people who used that quite a lot before. So I think but I'm not even just talking about the 3D touch. I'm just talking about okay. like literally going back in your a few yeah. words back and changing some text there or copying something from from text field. It just all feels more like, I don't know, it feels like luck when it works. And I don't know why it did work this time and not other times. It just feels like those gestures are all too close to each other for them to work for me. There might be a Kai problem. But that is something I, at least without trying explicitly to get used to it, I didn't get used to it. Hmm. Um, silent notifications. Is that the thing that was new in iOS 13? No. No? That no. was new in iOS 12? 11, right? Oh, really? Feels like more and more apps starts to adopt that, though, and I quite like it. You mean No, sorry, the... not silent notifications. Um, notifications that you don't need to require. Oh, the provisional? For. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's 13, yeah. Uh, so 13, what do they call that? I think it's just provisional notifications. So provisional are the ones that you need to require access for? No, you, you ask the system for provisional access, then you can present a notification, but it will not make a sound, and oh, then yeah, the user yeah, can decide. Yeah, yeah. So that's something I feel like apps are starting to actually use now, so sometimes I just get the notification appearing on my screen without getting the actual notification sound, and mm -hmm. then I can decide, hey, I want to see this, or I don't want to see this, and that's actually quite nice. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm managing my notifications a bit better with that. Okay. Or the this app has been using your your location in the background functionality. I appreciate as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, if you've been allowing notification uh, location access in the past, and an app continues using it, and you barely use the app, it might you might get a display saying, "Hey, this app used your background your notification." this many times do you want to let them continue doing that? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really nice. It makes me a lot more aware of how often apps use it and also which apps I am allowing because sometimes I don't use those apps anymore. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's quite nice. So, then macOS. Do you want to start <sighs> so I'm not stealing everything again? Gosh. Uh, what's new in macOS? I feel like the thing I... The reason I felt like I needed to macOS 
Reddit. Gosh, we should record this earlier. The reason I felt like we should. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We keep all of this in. The reason why I felt like I needed to update my Mac to Catalina mm-hmm. was because I wanted to use Xcode and the Interface Builder and SwiftUI mm-hmm. and run SwiftUI apps on my Mac. Mm-hmm. And for that, I like Catalina. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't remember why. I, I don't really feel like there are as many significant no- differences. I feel like I hear a lot of people... In podcasts and on the internet just saying don't update to Catalina, like don't don't worry about it. It's not like it's better to hold off. But I don't feel like I have any problems with it. It's not buggy for me. It's not actually causing any issues. But I think the major thing is that some I think the reason why people might be discouraged to do it is because some of the apps are because they were dropping thirty uh, two bit support. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something to be cautious about. And something that I noticed, uh, one thing that was like, would have been a problem for me is that Portal isn't playable anymore, mm-hmm. but I solved that in other ways. Like I, I was playing with NVIDIA now, um, no, sorry, GeForce now, mm-hmm. um, and that solved that problem. But I, I understand why people would be a bit reluctant considering that there are certain things that won't run anymore. But do you know, is there any reason why you would rec- you would suggest people not to update? Have no, you felt like it's this buggier or? I mean, I, overall, I've been extremely happy with Catalina. I mean, even during the beta period, as soon as the um, iCloud Drive uh, rolled, like, you know, how they plan to move to the new uh, iCloud Drive agent, that caused a lot of mm-hmm. issues. When but they, they rolled, rolled that back, right? yeah, they, they, that's still not in. No, no, then they rolled that back, and then most of the... I mean, the problem was that it just re-indexed every time during during the beta, which is fine for beta. Didn't that cause some duplication of data? Yeah, then there was and a whole bunch of stuff that, that kind of moved around, yeah. disappeared, reappeared. It was a bit weird, definitely weird. Um, but then that was rolled back. Haven't really had any significant beta issues since. Um, apart from the one time when I had red squares all over my screen, and... That oh, I yeah. thought was an iMac uh, GPU yeah. issue, but it's been gone since I did a PRAM and, and VRAM reset, so That's that might have been just that. Otherwise, no real issues. I mean, if this the, the the red square thing would come back, obviously that would be quite significant of an issue and not what you want would want from a Mac. But overall, I, I apart from that, assuming this is not coming back and was something that happened, that I, the same thing happened in previous macOS versions too. Something being weird and zapping the PRAM, fixing it has happened to me before. So this is not a particular Catalina issue. Um, no, no. Otherwise, I feel like it's pretty smooth. Same thing with Photos app. I do like the improvements there and notes and reminders and all things that on iOS are in macOS and they're fine. Screen, think- screen time still completely no. useless on the Mac to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There I haven't also checked it out in a while, but... It didn't really work in the beginning. Mm. There are also some features that I just don't use that seem appealing, though. Like yeah, things car. like sidecar. Yeah, yeah. or um, um, what is it called? I was thinking some iPad apps on Mac could, in theory, be cool. But we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I haven't car, used that very much. Sidecar, I just constantly hear people saying that they really enjoy it, 
and I yeah, constantly yeah, forget and that I, it does exist because I just don't use an iPad. No, I, but I completely understand, especially if you have a MacBook and you want to travel with it, and then you also travel with your iPad. It mm. makes sense to use it for a sidecar. Mm. Uh, yeah, especially I have for apps that support like the um, pencil input, right? On the sidecar interface. So for, yeah. I think it's Pixelmator, where you can actually draw with the pencil in oh, Pixelmator. Yeah, so you can yeah. kind of go back and forth. So do between. you basically use that as like a drawing tablet as for for imp- as input for your Mac, so you basically is, is everything see it, right? It's, it's it's not a drawing tablet where you don't have you, you do draw on the screen you're looking at. So, but it's being mirrored to the Mac, right? No, it's, it's not, not an mirrored. extension. Uh, oh, okay, I mean, you you see like you can zoom in there and you still see the overview on your Mac. So it's oh, definitely okay. an extension type uh, view okay. of of the app. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, just can I say what I really like mm. before you take it? <laughs> All right, go. Um, I really like, which I didn't realize was a Catalina feature, um, Apple Watch authentication. Oh yeah, that's actually really nice mm. because like I feel like I really appreciate being able to unlock my Mac with my Apple Watch uh, as soon as I'm approaching the Mac, mm. um, and now I can use that for authentication. So if I need to make any system changes or if I wanna. Um, agree to some type of dialogue and it requires usually would require a password i can just authenticate that with my watch Mm. it's really cool especially when you start getting used to it and no longer having to look at your watch you just know it will come up and you just double tap it without even looking at your watch it's quite it's quite nice yeah um but then we get get to catalyst Uh oh <laughs> Why do you say that so negatively? Uh, because I feel like Catalyst is still exactly in the state that we were talking about earlier. I would say it's still improved in comparison to uh, what it was when it was uh, introduced in 2018 as a sneak peek. Has it? I feel like, <laughs> like if you look at Apple's apps, yeah. without a doubt, Apple's Catalyst apps are the weakest apps that we have on the Mac platform from apple like there's n- there are not a lot of apps that are worse on a mac than like home you know home is still borderline mm-hmm. yeah usable on this. on the mac yeah um but news is okay right i mean i don't use news in the first place so i don't yeah i mean it's harder to judge mm-hmm. but home is is pretty not so great um and the what are the other ones uh is it podcasts it's one of those Either way, um, I still feel like Catalyst is a strange technical situation we're in. Because I do feel like from a technical standpoint, this is an interesting and uh, like a good technical execution that leads to not great user experience in a lot of ways. I think that's kind of weird because I feel yeah. like the do technology think- feels relatively solid in a lot of places. Yeah, do you think that necessarily has to be the case? Or do you think it's just still not mature enough for that? It's, it's just weird because inherently, and that's what we talk about on the show a lot, right? Inherently, iPad apps are not Mac, Mac OS apps. Yeah, They're yeah. inherently different platforms. Yeah. So it's, it's just weird to consider that the starting point for you know you click you you know this thing that was kind of being yeah, made fun of in check, a lot of places yeah. you, you hit one checkbox cool and now you have an app an app from a different platform that doesn't really work that well on 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 the other platform you know it's 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 like a weird encouragement of low effort translations 
Yeah, I don't think that's what it's supposed to be, though. But even then, you put a lot of work in, and then you still had something that started off being something it shouldn't, you know. I just feel like if Apple can't make, like, the podcast app or the Find My app a good native feeling, you know, it still has UI kit components behaving like UI kit components, which (laughs) are inherently designed for touch and not for... Yeah, yeah. So I'm I mean I, I do really like the idea. I just feel like but it might just what, not be what do you like polished. about the idea? I mean the idea of it's it's an it's the same as like any cross platform um language or tool. Like it's a it sounds great that you can build it for once and then like easily adapt it to run nicely and um natively on every platform. I just feel like it's usually not executed well and usually you do notice when apps aren't native because i, but I, I felt like if anyone could do it i felt like apple would be in a good but why? situation I, I just think this the, i mean that that's one of the reasons we are not particularly big fans of react native it's just whenever you yeah. go cross platform you kind of mediocracy across the board like you have equally average apps on yeah. multiple platforms yeah. So maybe the reason why I felt like Apple could be the ones that are able to do this is because they are the ones that could take a different approach. But the, I the, don't the approach think is not that different, right? You hit a checkbox that, and all yeah, of a sudden you have a that, Yeah, that's their approach. They're saying, hit this checkbox and there you go. You get the Mac app. But maybe they shouldn't have done that. Maybe, uh, maybe this was what you were going towards earlier, that maybe they should just have been like, Look, with these ten easy steps, you can make it a Mac app. But it's it's still a weird starting point, right? You start off. I, I just don't think a macOS app gets like most of the UI related things. But even even if you go past that, right? Even with our our Mac app in Swift UI, realistically, a lot of the functionality is so fundamentally different on the Mac and on iOS, just because certain things like location on a Mac is usually yeah, not as relevant as it yeah. is on iOS. You know, yeah. so many things that made apps possible on iOS yeah. use iOS features to make them as useful as they are, which makes yeah. them almost useless on a Mac. So I just feel like there's they are so inherently different platforms that I I don't really know how that should work to say, hey, move this across because your starting point is already so far off. Maybe the problem is that they are just not saying which apps that should be moved across. I think but even like if you obviously look at the Twitter I... app, right? The Twitter app is a good example of yeah. a as good as I've seen um or, or maybe not as good as I've seen, but one of the better and more popular examples of a uh Catalyst app on Mac, right? Yeah. It's not a great Mac app. In fact, it's a pretty pretty uh like if you compare it to the uh, native Mac app they used to have, this is significantly worse in almost all aspects. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, it kind of behaves weird. It doesn't look like a Mac app. It doesn't feel home on the Mac. It looks strange next to almost every other native Mac app. Uh-huh. Uh, the interaction models are weird. But that's not. Th- this is not at all related to certain things that you could do on iOS, but you can't do a Mac app ma- uh, on Mac OS. No, but that's my point, right? Like so many parts of it. Like I don't really see an app that would feel nicely I feel like based Twitter on that because would be the UI needs to be example. different hmm? like that, that is the good example like 
something like Twitter should not necessarily need like the Twitter app doesn't need something that is fundamentally different on iOS compared to macOS in terms of like the system. You don't need to have like use location in different ways or use like um like you, you it's it's not a major it's an app that would work on Mac and that's why they were able to have a native Mac app before. So I think maybe apps that made sense to have a native Mac app for would also make sense to have a Catalyst app for. But the problem is that the way that it's being presented right now makes it seem like there's this, this one box. But maybe Apple should provide a bit more guidance on how to actually make it a native experience. But I think there might just not be, it might just be too limited at the moment. And maybe I mean, Catalyst that, that, is just not developed. For, right? A company like Twitter, they would have the resources to build a good Mac app if they wanted to. What's, do you know what the reason was why they pulled their Mac app in the first place? I mean, Twitter. <laughs> The, the yeah, but you know, if they clearly didn't want to. They clearly needed something that makes it easier or quicker for them to do it, or some type of incentive to do this. Sure, whatever. I mean, apparently they were convinced by by Catalyst. Yeah, I just yeah. don't think the the end results any better. You have something that looks kind of strange and behaves yeah. kind of weird. Like I I never want to use this app. But what will the alternative be, though? The alternative would be that you go to the website. Is that better? Maybe. Maybe if, you know, if, if people don't care about a specific platform, is it really better to get them to do it anyways? You know? That's, yeah, that's Are you problem. happier with a yeah. with, you, you with don't... A company that decided, you know what, don't care about the Mac? And then say, someone saying, you know what, we made it a lot easier. Like, okay, I guess. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't just need people to be able to write the code. You need people to care about it i think i mean it seems I like think the twitter people like they're very active on twitter surprise <laughs> but the developers working on that app they seem to care it's just that even if you do care a lot it's a hard framework to to fully support the mac on because it's you're starting off something that's so different i just don't mm. see that being a good approach if if you want something truly good and native feeling on this platform just because they're very different platforms yeah you know it's it's just yeah you're right they are very passionate i think that's true but i think there must be something that just made them feel like it's not worth it and i think catalyst might have made it easier but you still have to treat as two separate platforms and i think that hasn't really come across and i mean it that's inherently if you give someone you know it, it seems like a, a trap almost because you're like, <laughs> hey, you, you can start your macOS development really easily. Check the yeah. checkbox. And you're like, cool. Yeah. You start somewhere and you're like, I, I, I can kind of see how we can mold this into an app. You end up spending a lot of time. You start to run into all the frameworks, uh, uh, edge cases. And then you put a lot of time into having a f somewhat mediocre app. And you're like, well, I guess I shipped that. And all of a sudden you have mediocre apps. Yeah. So you think they should just have gone and written a native app I mean, in the first place? I think that would have created better apps yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. I just don't really see a lot. Yeah, like, I, I don't try to argue against it. I'm just thinking about, like, there must be some incentive making people not want to write Mac apps. And especially a company like Twitter, they would have, I feel like they would have the capacity to do it. But for some reason, they don't. And for some reason, they pulled the previous one. So it must be something that has, they must, they must provide some type of appeal. I think in the future, SwiftUI might be enough of an appeal. The fact that you can actually reuse certain components is, a huge step in the right direction. So I think, I wonder how much people have been impacted or how much the future... I wonder if Catalyst <laughs> is not being developed to be as future-proof anymore 
I don't know how to say Are it. Are you I, doing all right over there? Yeah, yeah. No, I just wonder if the fact that SwiftUI and Catalyst are available at the same time might, first of all, make developers not really know what to focus on, but also might not make Apple know what to focus on. Yeah, yeah, probably. It's just, I, I feel like it's it's a weird effort because it, it clearly was a lot of engineering effort. And there are a lot of things that are yeah. kind of impressive. I just unfortunately do not see how this will i mean i mean don't you think it could work though if they would continue developing it and make it more like feel more native and also educate people more on how to use that's the thing right we are almost then approaching a if we would get to that point right let's say catalyst is improving over the next few years in order for it to feel more native, it almost has to go into a Swift UI direction where you say something is a specific UI element, but then the system decides how to actually present it to a user, right? Because like yeah. an alert might should maybe behave completely differently uh, on on macOS and iOS. Yeah, yeah, which Swift UI does exactly. perfectly fine, and that's what I'm saying. So it's like that's, you can really sort of, have catalyst. Yeah simulating an iOS app and also getting more native without it going in the same direction as SwiftUI is. So maybe that's what they will do. Maybe it will, they will mold it into one thing to some extent. Yeah, but I, I, don't, I, I don't really see that happening. It feels more like engineering efforts were divided yeah. and now no one is happy because yeah. those teams could have benefited from the other team's talent and, and effort. You yeah, know? yeah, and both of them are like you say, it's really great engineering achievements. But both of them now delivered something that is challenging to make great apps with, and I think that's a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we obviously picked Swift UI rather than Catalyst for multiple reasons, but I think overall, I feel like Swift UI has the potential to be this sort of. I don't like using the word cross-platform, but it has the potential of being of providing the reusability that people would need as an incentive to make a Mac app. At least the probability, to me at least, the probability of SwiftUI becoming that is higher than Catalyst right now. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, you know, it's, it's just yeah. a Mac works too differently. Like, not everything happens within its own window, you know? There's yeah, a lot but more. that's that's why SwiftUI is good, because there's certain components that you can use, but you can still address certain system fundamental, like, different fundam- fundamental differences uh, that are system-dependent. Mm. So I think you can still do that with SwiftUI. But I, I don't know. I just feel... I'm, a, I'm I don't know. Like, it feels strange that Catalyst is there and SwiftUI is also there and Catalyst made it seem like that will be like a much easier way of doing it. But I think in the long term, SwiftUI might be more appropriate. But also, I mean, if we, if we would pick our apps of the years, I mean, a Catalyst app is very unlikely to make it onto one of those lists, right? It's mm-hmm. just. Do you think a SwiftUI would make, a SwiftUI app would make? The thing is with a SwiftUI app, you might not know that it is SwiftUI. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. A Catalyst app, you almost always see it. You look at it and you're like, this is weird. Ah, oh, might be Catalyst. You know, it's, it doesn't, it just, none of this feels right. You open the settings panel and all of a sudden you have some kind of weird window that is just looking strange. Or you have your uh, uh, up and down keys not behaving the way you would want. Or certain things are not highlighted. It just, they do not feel like native apps for 
on the platform you, that you're using. And those kind of things are weird, right? It's it's hard to make that your app of the year kind of thing. Or like, again, not to, to keep talking about Twitter app, but like the way to refresh tweets with pull to refresh. Yeah, how do you do that on, on the app? Do you pull to refresh? I mean, I think they do have some kind of command R for reloading as well. But I feel like that mistake. should happen Maybe automatically. Not. If you implement functionality for pull to refresh... That should translate to command R. But it's like pull to refresh is kind of awkward with a mouse because it doesn't work yeah. at all. <laughs> because a mouse, you can't overscroll. That <laughs> only works with a trackpad. It's kind of weird. And that yeah. seems to be the way to refresh your, your timeline. And yeah, I mean, I, I see why that's that. a problem because you start off with a platform that, where you interact with your finger and move it to a platform where you yeah, might interact so that's, with a mouse. That's where I feel like what you say. I think that is something that should be translated to a native behavior. And I would have expected that. So I'm wondering if that's something they will continue working on. And if so, then it might be much better. It's, it might it's feel more super native. abstract, right? To just say it might get better. But it's like, I think fundamentally this idea is probably not quite right. I see why in theory it might be worth it. Like why it might be an interesting idea. But I do not know what internally confirmed that those efforts are worth it. Because looking at Apple's apps... They're some of the like they're not the best Apple apps that Apple's ever made. Those those catalyst ones, you know. Yeah, and I don't realistically think that it took that much less effort because it is as as we see with the Twitter one. A lot of people are spending a lot of time on making it somewhat de pretty good, <laughs> but it's mm -hmm. not, it's it's not really. I don't know. I don't like the in general. Apple didn't go for the pretty good app inter uh, app framework you know apple's like hey let's make the best not a pretty good one yeah i'm so we'll see. Like, yeah I'm, I'm curious to hear the future plan between this and swift ui because i think they're just it's just in a strange state at the moment mm -hmm. but like, overall makes, I, yeah. I feel like catalyst is exactly in the state that we expected it to be so so far we've not it's been what we expected but i think i don't, I don't know i feel like Apple presented it like they will continue improving it. So there might be more things coming. But that's the thing, right? Mm. So far, we've not been like, see, this was the missing piece. Even when it sh when the uh, the first app shipped um, last year, like before Catalina, we're like, all right, this is clearly not what Apple has in mind. Let's see what they come up with over the next year. The answer yeah, was exactly, yeah. fairly mildly fairly mild improvements that were not addressing the core issue you know yeah. so so far things are exactly as we expect it to be pretty mediocre not so great uh i don't really see it being better we'll see maybe we're surprised maybe we'll be completely wrong yeah. that would be cool um but so would far, you say you're pleasantly surprised about swift ui uh i'm pleasantly surprised about certain parts here but i also think if we're looking at overall i did expect more iterative updates to swift ui i mean there are small bug fixes here and there but i expected there to be more changes by now i didn't think apple would stick with the uh, strictly yearly 
uh, schedule, and it kind of appears. Yeah, that way. I didn't expect. I don't think there either. were any future feature editions. Since yeah, I expected to be iterated more in the sense uh, that Swift was iterated on. Yeah, I, I I expected quite a faster pace, but yeah. also realistically for our Mac app part, uh, we're probably going to write more AppKit for the features we want to implement because I I don't think there would be possible in Swift UI alone at all but those would not really be ui features they would be more assisted they would be more lower level i mean a bit of both right like all the system monitoring obviously will be will be not in swift ui yeah but also yeah, like but it's also interfaces really where we drop things into the app i i don't really see how we would do them in the way we want in yeah SwiftUI. that's true like things like drag and drop and things like that yeah just a very specific mac yeah. Uh, dragging like a, yeah, yeah. a file into it. it I, I don't. Maybe, maybe, maybe we run into things that we didn't come across yet. But I feel like that doesn't quite seem to work the way I would want to yeah. with SwiftUI. Well, we'll see. We'll yeah. See. Overall, I mean, I'm I'm very happy that we choose SwiftUI. I don't know if I would have been. I don't think I would have been as happy picking up Catalyst just because I wanted a great native Mac app. And I think SwiftUI was a bit more flexible. And we could easily add AppKit too. Mm. I don't know how easy that would be if you have a catalyst. Yeah, a bit more awkward. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's it's fine. I think we also used SwiftUI to ease ourselves into AppKit. I feel more comfortable now with AppKit. Not that we're AppKit experts now, but I definitely feel more comfortable with AppKit than I did uh, a few months ago. <laughs> You know, I, mm. I feel now if if I run into SwiftUI limitation, I feel very comfortable just writing it in AppKit, which yeah. was a point I wasn't at uh, three months ago. That's okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, a somewhat strange overview over <laughs> uh, over Apple's platforms. Oh, another thing. I mean, it wasn't even really about the platform. <laughs> no, it was kind of random talking points that we want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. This was a loosely loose agenda for our conversation. Yeah. Like iOS, macOS chat. Another yeah. thing that I'm excited about that we uh, that I expected to hear more of that we haven't yet is the U1 chip in the uh, 11 series iPhones. The U1 chip. Yeah. The yeah. ultra wideband related. Yeah, thing? no, I know. It just sounded like you said year one ship, nope. uh, but I knew what you were saying. I just want to clarify. It for the <laughs> Thank listeners. you. Thank yeah, you. I just don't want to sound like I didn't know what. It okay, was. cool. Yeah, um, I'm glad we got that clear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I kind of expected that by 13.3 would we would see at least another glimmer of what the U1 chip yeah. can do. I feel like you wouldn't put. Uh, I think you wouldn't put a ship in the phone just for the sake of having more accessible airdrop I mean that's definitely not we we're very confident that that's not why no that doesn't seem that 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 that, no I don't think so but there hasn't really been much else showing up yeah I as I said I I thought by 13.3 we would have had an at least another feature that would use the U1 chip would you have expected it to be accessible available for developers by now to actually get (laughs) access to the U1 chip Maybe at some point, um, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those features have been pushed to 14 now. Yeah. Just because yeah. Like, there were so many things that needed. The reason where, <laughs> just the fact alone that we are at 13.3 already, two and a half months into the IS 13. Is it only been two and a half months? Yeah, like right? September, right? September, mid September, late September. Yeah, you're right. It feels like a longer time. Hmm. Yeah. So just the fact that we are only a few months into iOS 13's life 
and we're already at 13.3.1 is probably an indication of why we have not seen more new features yet. Mm. Uh, Because it seems like Apple's been busy with fixing bugs before adding new things. Overall, that seems like the right priority. Yeah, it seems that way. I feel like... I don't want to be... I feel like this this segment turned into negative. I didn't plan for that. I think overall iOS and macOS are pretty stable now. I don't feel like in comparison to what it was before, this is really good. Everything is very function, very much functioning. Things aren't crashing. Yes, it was very frustrating when apps were quitting in the background sometimes, but overall, <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> no, I think we're now with 13.3, we're at a state where it's like, I, I wouldn't hesitate recommending it yeah, for people yeah, to, like, to install pe- on their phones. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, how do you uh, how do you like watch OS? That's uh, fine. Okay. <laughs> cool. I, I I don't really think I'm using. I, I don't even know what's new in watch OS. I don't feel like. Yeah, I just went off as soon as I said that. I realized the thing that I like about watch OS isn't a watch OS feature. You mean the always on display? I like the always on display. <laughs> yeah, that's I just mean, it a is technically thing. a watch OS three feature. Yeah, uh, watch OS six feature yeah. because uh, that's what your phone, uh, your watch man. It's really late. Yeah. What your watch ship with? Yeah. Um, I do like the l- loud environment notifications in theory. Are you getting those? No, I'm not. Not <laughs> loud environment. A lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I don't think I. I don't recall last time I got that. So I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta get out more. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Also, when we went to like sports events, we went kind of to the ones yeah. that either didn't matter anymore or where the local team was losing, so <laughs> the, the crowd wasn't super hyped. Yeah, yeah. That's we'll true. see next season how yeah. that goes. Yeah. yeah, but I'm I'm excited. Uh, just to wrap that up about the U1 chip and what we will see hopefully in uh, IS14 then. Yeah. Now, should we do picks? Yes. Uh, do you want to start? Cool. Or- I'd like to. Yeah, go for um, it. My pick of the week, my thing of the week, is the eSIM DB. It's Woohoo! You always make things that sound so ex- picks things that sound so exciting. This one is super exciting. <laughs> it is. It is. It's just not a very exciting name. So, um, for people who have iPhones that support eSIM, uh, it is um, sometimes one might be in a situation where one travels to a place that they do not call home. Uh, <laughs> And often that correlates to very expensive roaming fees with local carriers. Something like I don't know, some some carriers charge two or five dollars a day. Is this a sponsor read? No, no, no. Um, and they charge like two or four, five dollars a day um, to to use kind of um, to just keep using the, the your your local sim. But that's not not particularly cheap and not particularly uh affordable for for longer trips you know that's that's quite a lot of money um so when uh the iphones with eastern support came out i was kind of excited about that but then it still wasn't as easy to obtain uh sim cards all over the place so i recently ran into eSimDB, which is a website um that just helps you finding apps or or services with eSIMs in particular destinations, countries, regions. So you could just go to his website and say, hey, I'm going to, let's pick uh, United Kingdom. And you click United Kingdom, and then they show you all the eSIM providers for United Kingdom. And then you can look and say, all right, I'm there for seven days. I need, uh, I don't know, 
whatever you might need. One gigabyte of data. And then there's a plan that costs you $3. One gig, $3 for seven days. Yeah. That's Which I mean, $3? Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> it's just a sponsoring. <laughs> um, Tell me more about this special <laughs> offer. No, that's, that, that is surprisingly good, considering, like you said, many people pay like $3, at least $3 a day to get a to use their roaming yeah. abroad. And then some people might say, all right, uh, that is not enough. I'm there for 20 days and I need way more gigabytes. And this website just kind of puts it all up. So you also have like an 8 gig plan for 20 days for $22. So it's just a nice way of filtering those eSIM providers. And they're usually, uh, I think they exclusively even, uh, eSIM providers that let you acquire eSIMs without going to a physical location. So and they're usually some kind of website or... So they so this app or website, the eSIMDB, is that redirecting you to the That's carriers? Right. So okay, they, they, so you don't buy it through no, the it's, app. No, it's more of a price comparison website for, for a okay. region. So if you're clicking United do you, States... How does the app, how do they make money? Is it just affiliate links? Uh, they do seem to add referral links. When they kick you to the to the actual provider, okay. But the service is really like I, I think it's really worth it. I mean, um, experience might uh, differ depending on the country you're going to. But if you're going like if we we plan to go to the US sometime in the future, and usually it's a bit awkward to to sign up for something. I mean, there are things like the T-Mobile travel pack, but that's not particularly cheap or. Uh, Gig Sky, I think, is one of the other ones. But this is significantly cheaper and just as convenient. And it's just nice to have like an overview where you can pick something. And some countries have ridiculously low prices. Um, like s- some places in Europe have like $3 plans for like near unlimited data or uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's good to get an overview and then get a eSIM for, for, for your trip or your extended stay. And in certain places like Canada, it's kind of strange because local providers are really, really expensive. So when I kind of just played around on that website for a little bit, I actually found that if I get a travel SIM for Canada with, uh, I think it's five gig of data for 30 days, it's $18. Mm-hmm. It's almost, I, I don't even think it's possible to find something that is as cheap as that in at any of our local carriers. No, so I just no, signed no, up no. for that for months <laughs> to try it out. So now I'm having my my local SIM just for incoming calls and for like to have a phone number. Because Do all you have any limit on how many months in a row you can use this? No, doesn't okay. seem like that. So you don't try to limit it to only be to people who are actually traveling. No, it doesn't appear that way. Okay. So, I mean, I'll see. I'll report back. But now I just yeah. signed up for that. Now I have my local SIM card yeah. just for incoming phone calls because all of the data SIMs, they do so not So they have only phone do data SIMs. Yeah, they're only data SIMs. At least that's what this website is for. I don't know if maybe certain providers do offer a phone number and, and calling, but yeah. this website is very focused on, on price comparison for, for data. And I mean, realistically... Um, most most of us probably do not travel to countries to then ca- call people a lot. Um, and if so, you just use voice of IP, FaceTime, whatever. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm using one of those travel eSIMs now in Canada because it's like quarter of the price of what a local carrier would would charge for the same amount of data, and they do roam. In I mean they they do use a local carrier's network, right? It's not like they have some some. Uh, infrastructure they built here it's the the one i'm using is air alo air air alo air alo i don't know how to say it a 
I-R-A-L-O. And it's a Singaporean company that does some kind of, I don't know, they seem to buy uh, SIM cards from a Singaporean company that then does a good roaming deal with Canada. Anyway, it's, it sounds complicated, but you don't really have to worry about it. Just go to a website, type in your country, pick the plan you want, sign up, and then you get data wherever you're going for for significantly lower cost than than local. Kind of exciting, kind of fun. I, I like this kind of weird stuff. Cool. All right, try to that follow that a, up. Yeah, that was a very long pick. I feel like we should start limiting these segments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited too. I think, I think this was a good pick for you. Um, well done. Um, <laughs> my turn, for uh, again, for people who are still listening. Um, this week, I am picking uh, a show on Apple TV Plus. Apple TV Plus? Yeah, Apple TV Plus called Dickinson. Which people probably maybe have heard of if you at all have looked at the Apple TV app, but I feel like it's one of the less spoken about or less promoted shows. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely more like C, I think C Morning Show and and the Last Man, no, not Last Man on Earth. Um, for all mankind are definitely more popular <laughs> shows, but the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but Dickinson is um, a show that I recommend, and if you're a person who doesn't like spoilers, I'm not going to spoil the show at all, but I will say what my opinion is, so if you don't want to hear my opinion, if you think that is a spoiler in itself, you should stop listening now. Um, well, so you kind of did recommend people to watch it, so I guess your opinion won't now go into <laughs> the worst thing I've ever seen. But, uh, well, uh, I would say that my opinion... Well, I-, I just think this is a very unexpectedly great show and it's not at all what I expected what I thought it would be when I heard about it because I mean I heard about a person called Dickinson um, but it was not at all the style of show that I thought but I was pleasantly surprised I think that in general is a is a good advice with the show if you've only seen the cover and you're like yeah not really into like old, old poetry yeah give it a shot yeah the thing is that I was interested in hearing about Dickinson's story in general um, but I'm not particularly interested in poetry, but I thought sometimes I like movies that have a more old school hey, feel about them. for mid-1800 TV show. Sometimes I found that to be interesting. All right. uh, but it wasn't at all what I thought. It was very, it feels really modern uh, in some way. And I really struggled knowing what type of show this was at first. I really didn't know what to make out of it, but it's really good. It's very unexpected and very different style of show than I thought. So I definitely recommend, like I say, if you just look at the cover and you're like, ah, poetry isn't really for me, definitely, I definitely recommend people to give it a shot. Cool. Yeah. Some really good actors in there too. I mean, in general, Apple Apple's TV shows, um, I mean, we were all a bit uh, pessimistic at first. Um, but yeah. I think so far, all the shows we watched, pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Um, doesn't say that only Apple could do those. Uh, I think that's that's not what this is. It's just the ones they picked and the ones they did support. Very good. Yeah. The morning show kept getting better. Yeah. Every episode until the very end. It's a very good show. Dickinson. I, I I didn't didn't expect a lot, but that is something we will definitely watch the entire season and the next one if there's another one. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Same for all mankind. With for all mankind, for all mankind, just kept on getting better. I think it was so unfortunate. We've been talking about this off the podcast that it felt really unfortunate that many critics, many people who reviewed the shows before they were available, they only got the first three episodes. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, they only got the part that is the worst of all yeah, of those. Yeah, and especially Apart all mankind. Dickinson. Yeah, but especially for all mankind and. Um, the morning show they need a bit of a build-up i think but then yeah, they're they getting started really good i don't know why it's i don't know yeah it's so unfortunate but they are so good mm. so uh yeah give those shows a try especially i mean if you already bought a, a macbook or a phone or an ipad this year i think you get a trial for free anyways so go yeah the overlap of people who listen to the show and who would have one year of free access to Apple TV Plus, probably pretty high. Yeah, yeah, comes with your uh, thirty thousand dollar MacBook. <laughs> so that's a bargain. Yeah, uh. should try it out. Cool. All right, that's it for a short overview. A short one and a half hour show. Yep, of what we've been up to in the last week. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Um, do you at all want to talk about something else exciting that we made that people might be interested in? Mm. Do you think people might be interested in our second podcast? Oh, yeah, you, you can mention it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if people like playing games uh, and if people enjoyed when we had Adam on as a guest um, podcaster, guest host, uh, guest, what do you call it? As guest? a guest, as a yeah, guest. guest. <laughs> yeah, so, so complicated. Um, yeah, when we had Adam on as a guest, we spoke a lot about games and Apple Arcade, but if you in general are a fan of games um we made a show called we like games um so if that's the type of things you enjoy to listen to uh you should try it out and we'll have 12 episodes a year uh, oh wait don't 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 commit us to to that we might end up having more episodes or, or fewer, fewer episodes but, but the, the it, target yeah. is 12 yeah. So we're, the idea is to that we're talking about something related to, like more of a not game-specific, game-general topic. So the topic might be, uh, for our first episode, it was for the three hosts' origin stories into video games. We will have one where we talk about a game streaming, like game streaming services like Stadia and GeForce Now and Xbox, uh, xCloud and kind of that becoming a bigger thing this mm -hmm. year, next year. Uh, maybe have one about uh, AR. So those kind of those kind of more general topics, and then usually also have a a specific game that we talk about. First episode was about Portal. The next one I assume will be Guild, and then probably a VR game like Superhot or similar. So we always have kind of this that mix, and then a halftime event show. <laughs> wow, you made it sound yeah. so much more than it is no but we do tend to have a small game in the show as well mm. uh, like a quiz or something like that uh, that we we enjoy one, so. one of the host organizers and the other two uh, get to compete for yeah. the victory that does do not have yeah. any any prize attached to it yet apart from being allowed to host the next quiz oh but it meant be in the next show <laughs> that too yeah. usually yeah um, yeah so if you like uh, games you should check it out mm. and yeah Cool. All right. Thanks for listening. Cool. Talk to you all next week. When Zach is back. Yay.